0: Open your Bibles today, if you have it, to Matthew's Gospel. We'll be in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to start reading in verse 8. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. Well, that's really what we're going to focus on. We're going to start reading in verse 3, and we're going to read uh, the first section of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount again. And as you know, it is Memorial Day weekend, and it's time that we honor and celebrate. Uh, Remember those who have uh, given their lives in service to the country, and it's a time of high patriotic feeling here in America. And it's not uncommon to hear people say around you know, Memorial Day or uh, the 4th of July or any of those times when, when that patriotic feeling is real high, it's not uncommon to hear people say, God bless America. And I not too long ago preached a sermon about can God bless America, and I'm not going to preach that sermon again. Uh, but I notice as I, as I see that in print, as I hear people say that, A lot of people want God's blessing. They want God's favor to be shown upon them. Uh, They want God to shower them with love and mercy and grace. They just want God's blessing. But how few people are willing to do what God requires in order to get that blessing. Now, this is true both inside and outside the church. And we don't understand we don't have a right to demand anything of God. We're we're not in a position to do that. But having said that... um, Jesus lays out the pathway to blessing in the Sermon on the Mount, and in particular the Beatitudes that we've been looking at the last couple of weeks and the ones we're going to look at today. Now, just like last week, we're only going to look at two of these. And I'd like it, if you would, just go ahead and stand right now, and we're going to read our, uh, our text. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 5, and verse 3. But we're going to focus on verses 8 and 9 today. Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and, are, and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who are before you. Thank you. Have a seat, please. Now Jesus continues his high call of discipleship by calling us to purify our hearts. To purify our hearts. Now you look in verse eight and it says, "Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God." Now we might think, well, that's a unique idea, to, uh, an idea that's unique to Jesus, but it's not because it appears both before and after Jesus's words here. In fact, Psalm 24. Of course, we always think of Psalm 23, uh, the shepherd's Psalm, and all that, and it's that is a great Psalm. But Psalm 24 has some great stuff in it too. And in fact, in that place, David says. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? In other words, who's going to see God? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. He goes on to say that he shall receive blessing from the Lord. So if those who are pure in heart are the ones that are going to see God, and I think we all want to be that type of person, we need to figure out what it means to have a pure heart. And the word pure here has the idea of unmixed or undefiled, or unadulterated. In other words, it's a person whose heart is unmixed in their devotion to God. They're, they're, not, they're not drawn aside by these other things. They are focused on God. In other words, in um, James 4, of course, James was the half-brother of Jesus, and he has some great stuff to say. And in James 4, I think he, he has a verse that sheds light on this idea. He says, "'Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners.'" And here's the key. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So what Jesus and James are both saying is, is essentially the same. We, as, as people who follow Christ, need to have unmixed devotions. We need to have a single point of focus. So our minds, our motives, our principles, all those things need to be fixed on God. They need to be pure. They need to be centered on Him. We need to have an inward desire to be holy. Now, let's face it, none of us measures up to that all the time, do we? There are days when I don't even come close to measuring up most of the time. But that should be our inward desire. That should be our goal. And it's significant. You'll notice uh, he says, blessed are the pure in what? Heart. He doesn't say blessed are the pure in hand. And I think that's significant because our outward actions may be right, but our inward motives can be impure. That's what the Pharisees were like. If if you were to look at a Pharisee, you'd say that person has it. That is that's he's orthodox. He's and he knows his Bible forwards and backwards from from uh, from end to amen. I mean, in the beginning to uh, even so come Lord Jesus amen. I mean, he knows it all from the table of contents to the maps. That guy's got it, and he follows what the Bible says. And, and, And you would say that's the guy. But Jesus said. They have all these all these things going on the outside but on the inside they're like whitewashed tombs. they, they had the outside fixed up but their hearts were impure. You know there's there are a lot of people in today's world. there are a lot of people in in Baptist churches all across America that'll tie, they'll pray, they'll do do all these things but inwardly they're like whitewashed tombs. Now understand what I'm saying we should have. Clean hands. The things that we do should be pure. We should have good works, but that purity of action should come from a purity of heart. Because if, if you have a clean, a pure heart, it's going to cause you to actually do some things. But it's not just the hands, it's actually the heart. Now a lot of people again they get this backwards because they think if if I'll just go to church every Sunday if I'll go to church every month or whatever that person thinks. If, I just, if I'll just put on a smile when I see Christians and I shake their hand. If I will just uh, not curse too often. If I'll just not look at those filthy magazines or websites. If I can just do these outward things, I'll have it done. That's all that God wants. But that's not what God wants. He wants us to wash the inside of the bowl as well as the outside. James one twenty seven says, "Pure and undefiled religion the sight of our God and Father is this: to visit orphans and widows in their in their distress, their their good deeds, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. There's a pure heart. We're not going to be we're not going to be drawn away by these outward things. Now, I just want to pause a moment to apply this because it's this. You know, Jesus' sermon on the mount. I don't know about you, but it gets all over me because there are so many things. Just in the beatitudes, I read it and I'm like. Hand. That's tough. I can't do it. But here, here's the application. Think about your, your faith, your religion, whatever term you want to put on it. Are you content to just go through the motions of church? Answer that honestly in your heart. Are you content to go, shake the preacher's hand, sing a song, smile? shake the preacher's hand on the way out, and you think you've done God a wild favor by coming to church and sitting in a pew or a seat. Is that what your faith is? Because Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart. So that's the first application. But the second thing that I'd like to ask you is, what is the condition of your heart? Because I can't see it. I don't know what's in your heart. What's in your heart today? Maybe you have sin in your heart. Maybe you have been taking part in something you know you shouldn't have and you've not repented of it. Maybe you're here in body, but your heart is out in the far country. You know, you can be you can be far from God and, and in church at the same time. Do you have unmixed devotion to God and being holy as He is? Because that's what Jesus says. He said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And and, and the blessing here is seeing God. Now Again, this is talking about the here and now, but also the then and there. How are we going to see God here? Well, we shouldn't expect us. We shouldn't expect to have a vision. You know, we're shaving, looking in the mirror, and all of a sudden Jesus shows up behind us. Oh, hey, Jesus, just shaving. You know, that's not what that's not what he's talking about when he's talking about seeing God. In Hebrew thought, to see something meant to possess it. It meant to enjoy it, to take part in it. In John 3.3, 3, Jesus talks to Nicodemus, and what did he say? Unless a man be born again, he cannot what? See the kingdom of God. He cannot take part in it. He cannot enjoy it. He cannot possess it. Uh, in Psalm 16.10, which was applied to Christ by Peter in his sermon at Pentecost, the Hebrew uh, Psalm 16 says that he would not allow his Holy One to see corruption. In other words, Jesus in the tomb was not going to experience decay. And the pure in heart is going to see, they're going to experience, they're going to enjoy God in the here and now. They're going to see and recognize God at work around them. They're, they're going to uh, experience communion with Him, but beyond that, we're going to see Him in heaven. Revelation 22 four promises that we will, quote, see His face. Now, think back to the story of Esther. How many people like Esther. I know know a lot of the women do, right? And a couple of the guys. What's the story of Esther? Okay, there's the king, and here's Esther. And she couldn't go to see the king, right? Because she said, if I go to see the king, he doesn't invite me, I'm going to be put to death. And the reason for that is because if you saw the king's face, that was a big blessing. He was showing you his favor. And that's why it was such a big deal whenever Esther went before the king, and he didn't have her put to death. That was a special blessing. Likewise, when we get to see the the face of the king, that's a special blessing. And and so Revelation 22, 4, when it talks about us seeing his face, that's not just saying, you know, you're going to stand before God, you'll see him as judge because everybody's going to do that. But rather, we will see his face. We'll get to experience the favor of God by being in his presence. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. But then he goes on to say in verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers... For they shall be called the sons of God. Now, a lot of people have misconception when it comes to being a peacemaker. Christians, as you know, are called to be peaceable people. We're called to live at peace with all men. Paul says, "As much as it depends on you, live at peace with all men." That means that no matter how hard you try, there are some people that are going to be, they're going to get sideways with you and going to stay that way. I mean, they're difficult people. And sometimes it's simply because you're a Christian, sometimes because they're not very nice people. But he says, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all all men, all people. But I notice that even though we're called to be peaceful, what does Jesus say in verse 9? Blessed are the who? Peacemakers. He doesn't say blessed are the peaceful. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. See Jesus isn't talking about just people who have peace in their hearts. He's not just talking about people who who experience the peace of God which passes all understanding. He's he's talking about people who pursue peace between other people. That means that we use our influence to reconcile parties that are at odds with one another. And we've all been in churches where there have been those people, right? And we've all been in in family situations, maybe at Thanksgiving or Christmas, And there's that tension, you know, and nobody wants to talk about certain subjects because they'll get that person mad and, and you know, how it is. And Jesus is saying, bless her, the peacemakers. We use our influence to try and bring these two parties together when they were at odds and try to get them to reconcile. Now, understand, there is a biblical command not to be a busybody. And Baptists are great busybodies. We, I mean, we can busybody better than most people because we want to have a prayer request. Oh, I've got a burden on my heart I just need to share. I was talking with so-and-so. Would you pray about this? And we don't just give the spirit, the, the, the little details. I mean, we have to get into it, right? We, and and, and we're, we're gossips, essentially. He, and he's not saying be a busybody. He's not saying get into everybody's business. Keep your nose in your own britches, as they say. We're not supposed to meddle, but as we have opportunity, we should try to help other people get on the right terms with one another. We need to mediate that conflict. Paul said we've been given a ministry of reconciliation. That means bringing two parties together, human beings, but also helping people be reconciled to God. And when people do that, Jesus says in verse 9, they shall be called the sons of God. We'll be recognized as God's children. The reason is because... Jesus, God's only begotten Son, is the best peacemaker there is. Ephesians 2 says that Jesus is our peace, and he's broken down the dividing walls between us. In other words, when you and I work to bring people together, there's going to be a family resemblance between our father and our older brother. There's going to be a family resemblance. Now, the ultimate peace that we can have is not with people, and that's important, to live at peace with all people. The ultimate peace is with God. And we don't naturally have that. The Bible says that we're estranged from God. There's hostility between us and God. Not God towards us because he sent his son to die for us. How much more could he show that he loved us? It's not God towards us. It's it's us towards God. And we've all turned aside. We've all gone astray. We've all went after our own sins, our own lusts, our own passions, our our, our own paths. But God provide a way to be reconciled to him. He made a path of peace, and that's through his son. You remember Jesus, he was talking to his disciples, and he said, I'm, I'm going to be going away, I'm going to heaven. And the disciples, they, they didn't really get what he was saying. I think it was Thomas was like, Lord, how do we get there? We want to be where you are. How do we get there? And Jesus said, he, he said, I don't, I don't know the way. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You say, I sure would like to be right with God today. I sure would like to be reconciled to Him. I would would like to have my sins forgiven. If you're going to do it, you have to come through Jesus. You might say, well, I don't want to do that. I want to do my own thing. I want to work. I want to get things straightened out. And then I'll come to God on my own terms. And and the Bible says no. You'll come to God His way or you won't come at all. If you're going to come to the Father, you must come through the Son. And I implore you to do that now. If you've never done it, turn from your sin, repent, and believe, and be forgiven. But to those of us who are Christians, I and mean, this has all kinds of application for us, doesn't it? We need to be peacemakers. Are there people in your life that you know are at odds with one another? Now, again, I'm not saying go crying around. Can I confess something today? I hope so because I'm getting ready to. I didn't do very good about this this week because there was a lady at work and somebody was late and she was getting real aggravated because they were like two hours late and she just happened to wait and wait and wait and and this is after I've been preparing for this message and it didn't even I didn't even make the connection. It's terrible. I was stirring the pot and I was and she knew what I was doing and I I told her what I was doing. I just kind of. But it's just my personality. I was just kind of getting riled up, you know, and then I was just going to leave. And so I was just kind of, you know, poking the whatever with the stick. I was getting riled up. And it wasn't anything serious, but it was just kind of, that was not the thing to do. I should have done the opposite of what I wanted to do. I should have been trying to make peace. That was not good. And and I didn't think about it till like a, a day or two later. Then I was like, hmm. I should have done that one a little bit differently. I should have applied this before I preached it. But maybe this week I can do better. You know, we all need to be peacemakers because there are always people at odds with one another. And we don't need to be stirring the pot like I was doing. We don't need to be, you know, especially in churches, you don't need to be, you know, egging it on. You need to be trying to bring peace between people. We also need to be pure in heart. Don't be content with just come to church and 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 shaking hands and smiling. Do something. Have a pure heart. Do the good deeds, but, but make sure your heart is where it needs to be. It's not just outward, it's inward. Have a desire for God. You say, I don't have that like I used to. Ask God to, to fan those flames in your heart. I was listening to a sermon just this morning
1: the book of Revelation
0: and and in that letter to Sardis there's a church that's having troubles and God says stir up those things that that are uh, strengthen those things that you already have And, and I think that applies not only to churches but individuals in the church stir up those things that strengthen those things that you already have don't die out Have that fire for God and ask God to stoke those fires in your heart. Purify it.